0: I'm Mary Redboard, and uh, welcome to TRM Talks in conjunction and collaboration with the Digital Dollar Project. Uh, Really, really exciting. We have never done a TRM Talks in an Italian restaurant Uh, (laughs) or really sort of live in this really cool way. So, really, really excited um, for the conversation uh, this evening. You know, it's interesting. I think that um, a lot of the conversation these days in our space has sort of moved to this set of binary choices, right? Is it a security or is it a commodity? Is it, um, you know, privacy or security? Is it sort of cryptocurrencies or CBDC? And I think what we were really hoping for uh, this evening is to have sort of a more nuanced conversation, sort of what does the future of finance look like? You know, are these choices binary or is it sort of more complicated and, and in fact actually interesting um, than that? So I, uh, I am joined for this TRM Talks by a really, really extraordinary panel to sort of unpack some of that. We will not have all the answers, I imagine, this evening, um, but uh, really looking forward to the conversation. Um, so without further ado, uh, I am joined by uh, Christian Carlo, who is the former chair of the CFTC, founder of the Digital Dollar Project, and Crypto Dad, as you all know him. Co-founder. <laughs> Co-founder. Um, Dan Burstein, who is the GC of Paxos. Dan, thank you so much. And I am also joined uh, by Pervi uh, Menar. Uh, from Falcon X, Deputy GC. Thank you all so much for uh, joining me today. So let's kick it off right there. Um, and Chris, you know, we've had these conversations in the past and um, I, I, I would just love to sort of start with you really with the question that I started with. You know, uh, we seem to be in a world where the conversation is very much around, you know, crypto or CBDC or stablecoin. You know, is this a world where there are, these are the choices we have to make or is it something different potentially?
1: It's a totally false choice. Let's think about the analog world that we're coming out of. Um, In the analog world, one can keep their value in many different forms. I could store my value in artworks or classic cars. I could store my value in a bank. I could store my value in $100 bills under my mattress. I could store value in a bank account. And yet somehow we're meant to believe that as we now transition to a digital world, we're only gonna have two choices and they're gonna be exclusive. Either we're going to be able to store value in digital currency in the form of stable coins or in central bank digital currency. Fact of the matter is it's a false choice. Just as in the analog world, in the future digital world, we'll store value in all sorts of digital formats. It may be digital art in the form of NFTs. It may be digital gold in the form of Bitcoin. It may be stable coins. It may be central bank digital currency. Uh, my colleague Daniel Gorfein likes to point out that in the analog world, the only reason people are willing to put their money in a bank account is because if they're worried the bank is going to go down, they can run down to the ATM and convert it into good old fashioned dollars. Well, in a digital world, stablecoins may need CBDC so that people can feel confident that if the stablecoin breaks its stabilization mechanism or any other reason, they can convert it into digital currency. I'll add one more point. The fact of the matter is the choice has already been made. If you look around the world today, we have 240 million Chinese wallet holders holding Chinese CBDC. Europe has said they will have a digital euro within a few years. Britain has said they'll have it by the end of the decade. CBDC is coming around the world. The question is not whether there'll be CBDC there will be cbdc the question will be what role will private money play and my guess is it will play an important role alongside cbdc so already the pattern of the future is both cbdc and stablecoins existing side by side and i think that's the best of all for, forms where people have choice as to where they store the value and competition
0: pervy jump jump on in here for me sort of would you would you sort of provide a little context around sort of what what the, the work you do at falconx but then also sort of um, How how do you think about these issues in particular in terms of that that role?
2: Sure, yeah, thank you. So Falcon X is a digital assets prime broker and I think regardless of what your thesis is on CBDC um, versus crypto, I think the underlying challenges when it comes to the technological components of it, the operational constraints or or considerations and the regulatory framework, there are common themes there, right? So across the board, we're solving for issues around settlement we're solving for issues around interoperability. And so, you know, whether it's interoperability in the CBD space or whether it's cross-chain settlement in the current cryptocurrency space, right? So I think there's a lot of common themes there that need to be solved for. And even on the regulatory front, and I know we're gonna touch on this a little bit later, but you know, the idea that you'll have choice. And you'll have likely centralized intermediaries that can provide you access to those choices and likely ones that are going to be able to provide you access to a multitude of choices and solving for what the regulatory framework looks like for those types of entities. Those are some of the things we're focused on today, which I think translate very well to, you know, the non-binary world of the future of having choices.
0: Dan, similar question. You know, obviously you're working on issues around tokenization and custody and really a lot. I mean, the, these questions go right to your business in, in many, many respects. Would you talk a little bit about sort of Paxos and then how you're thinking about this issue in particular, the sort of this, this choice that we seem to be talking about, CBDC, stable coins, crypto?
3: Sure. Well, uh, uh, thank thanks to the uh, Digital Dollar Project for for having me here today, and uh, uh, it's nice to be all uh, with you all. I, I was actually wondering how we were all gonna gonna be seated here, and uh, I, I, re- I realized we decided on uh, increasing levels of hair. <laughs> um, but at uh, any
0: event, that is unbelievably true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but
3: they just kind of organize themselves
1: these things.
0: Uh, if I pa- only hadn't shaved tonight, I might, Chris and I may have had a shot. Uh, Paxis Paxos p- puts the p- puts
3: the Fin and fi- the, the Fin and Tech together in fintech. Uh, you know, on the Fin side, we are a regulated financial institution. Um, we are a New York State chartered trust company since 2015. Um, and on the Tech side, uh, we are. You know, half of our company is uh, is is, uh, is you know, product and engineering. Um, we are a, a blockchain technology firm. Um, and so you know what that means is we are putting the you know p- putting the sort of trust back into these sort of centralized intermediaries that uh, uh, that Purvi was talking about um, and we are a, essentially a blockchain technology firm. So we have a, a crypto brokerage business where um, we are we serve as sort of the uh, the infrastructure for companies like uh, PayPal and we sort of serve as the custody and the uh, and the, uh, the liquidity uh, back-end for, uh, for, for those kinds of products. Um, but we're also a stablecoin issuer, as, as sort of relevant, I think, more to our conversation tonight, um, where we, uh, when somebody gives us a dollar, um, you know, we give them a stablecoin, and we hold on to that dollar. That's the most important thing that we do. Um, we believe, in terms of you know, sort of your question about the future of tokenized assets and of, of CBDCs, you know, we believe firmly that, uh, that blockchain technology is going to transform how financial markets work, how the plumbing of financial markets work, because, uh, because financial technology is so outdated right now um, that we need a change. It's crazy that, there, that it takes five days for a, a wire transfer to come through, or that there's a bank on every corner and all the sort of fat and friction that's associated with that. And so stablecoins allow you to move a dollar at the speed of the internet. Um, But stable coins is, you know, is is one asset class that's on the blockchain. Crypto is another asset class that's on the blockchain. Uh, We have a gold token that's another asset class that's on the blockchain. Um, And in terms of the future, you know, we really see sort of the the merger of, um, you know, of of custody and settlement and tokenization. All of these are going to be so important for the future of financial technology um, because, uh, we need to be able to, to move assets on the blockchain faster. Crypto is, is $1 trillion. That's, that's a big asset class. But there are hundreds of trillions of dollars out there uh, in, in the world. And all of those someday are going to be tokenized. Um, and you know, someday, going to, going to Chris's point here, uh, you know, CBDCs could be tokenized. Um, depending on the sort of design, if they're not already tokenized or if they require centralized intermediaries, stable coins could exist alongside of CBDCs. Um, there, there's sort of so much interactivity, just as there are in traditional financial markets, um, that there's a lot of opportunity for future growth here.
0: Terrific, yeah, no, thank, thank you so much. Sort of, Jumping a little bit, really staying 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 right here, You know, Chris, uh, one of these binary choices we hear all the time is sort of the security versus privacy thing, and I think particularly when we're talking about CBDC. Today, there's a lot of questions around privacy, a lot of it in the context of China. Would you talk through sort of your, your vision of uh, US digital dollar and sort of what, what the privacy implications are there?
1: Yeah. So, so, so w- whenever you go from analog to digital, uh, features like privacy are just design features. Uh, now, there's no question that the leading benchmark for a CBDC, the Chinese Digital Yuan, the ECNY, has opted for surveillance as a design feature of their CBDC. And so if people come to the conversation assuming that 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 benchmark must be the benchmark for all CBDCs, they will start from the point of view that CBDC is privacy invading, as opposed to the current financial system in an analog form that is completely privacy invading today. But put that aside, there's no reason why a digital euro, a digital pound, or a digital dollar must follow the Chinese model. In fact, we at the Digital Dollar Project have put forward uh, a champion model that doesn't follow that model, where it is privacy-protecting. In fact, even more privacy-protecting than the system we have today. And so this debate, again, it becomes a false debate. There's an assumption that a digital dollar, amongst some, not all, would follow the Chinese model, but there's no reason why it should. In fact, if it follows our own model of our constitution, including our fourth amendment, there's no reason why digital money should be privacy invading. And I'll make one more final point. It may be that in the future, the dollar has been supported by a number of factors, but one by the strength of the American economy. It may very well be, we're headed to a future where the United States economy is no longer the world's largest and most powerful. That may go to China. In which case, the value of the dollar may be surpassed. But if the values of a digital dollar adhere to our constitution, if privacy becomes embedded in a digital future, then people will still flock to the dollar, not for its value, but for its values. And that's one of the things we spent a lot of time at the Digital Dollar Project. What should be the values of, of our digital dollar. If we make privacy, if we make anti-censorship, if we make um, uh, support for our constitutional freedoms at the heart of a digital dollar, we think the dollar will survive for four more generations as the world's reserve currency.
0: Uh, feel free to sort of jump jump, jump off of that here. Um, obviously stay, stay on this issue around sort of CBDC, privacy versus security, but really I feel like there's so many other areas where, where this is an issue as well in the space.
2: Yeah, I mean I can I can speak from the perspective of like AML and compliance, right, when it comes to regulated entities. So, you know, people think of crypto and they think of AML and compliance and they think, you know, rampant fraud, illicit financing and and really just the bad headlines that you get, right? And it really under it really is undermined by the fact that there isn't I think a wide understanding of how much the technology can help shape the outcome, right? So, using a tool like TRM Labs, right? You can perform the same type of analysis that you would perform if you're looking at wire transfers, cross-border wire transfers, right? And if you're at a bank, a commercial bank, um, but with more insight. And you can choose to incorporate that information if your mandate calls for it because you're a regulated entity that is prescribed that this is what you're meant to be doing. And you can choose not to incorporate it if that's the business model that you're operating under, right? And I think similarly, a consumer, has that same decision choice to make. Do you work with a centralized intermediary that is regulated in a certain way, where they are using tools like this that are calibrated to meet their requirements that you can know and understand and you opt into that framework, or do you not? And you, I, I think those choices are what's most important here. So I think the privacy point to me is, a, is a to Chris's point, not only just a design choice, but also a choice, like what you want to do as a consumer of this product.
0: It's such a terrific answer. You know, if you sort of think about it, it's like I have these conversations, like some people think it's a feature, some people think it's a bug. And, you know, you talk all the time about sort of these native qualities of blockchains, right? Transparent, traceable, immutable, allow for more visibility on financial flows than we've ever had before. But as more and more people transact in an open financial system, they're going to want more and more privacy, and it's this really, I think, interesting conversation. And I have it oftentimes from a national security perspective, right? How do we enable privacy and at the same time stop bad actors from sort of abusing these, uh, you know, the technology? But really, really, really cool point around compliance. Um, Dan, thoughts around sort of this, this question around privacy versus security?
3: Yeah, well, uh, maybe I'll, I'll build on the uh, the compliance point and then uh, then circle back to this. But uh, the, the, on the on the compliance point, I mean, I, I think that one thing that we all know probably in this room, uh, but maybe people don't know, you know, uh, uh, ordinarily is that um, blockchain technology allows you to to, to track transfers from one you know, one address to another to another. This is a law enforcement. Um, officer or a prosecutor, you know, or, or has a, uh, a great career as a prosecutor, you know, a best friend here, um, because uh, you know you can actually track these transactions, and um, it enables you to uh, you know to, to 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 identify commonalities between different transactions. It allows you to uh, you know to track and often uh, your prosecute offenders um, and illicit finance. Um, but, you know, the, the, the flip side of that is privacy, right, and, and, and the, the fact is, um, you know, people think of blockchain transactions as anonymous, they're not anonymous, they're pseudonymous, um, and therefore, uh, you know, uh, people who, who want sort of ultimate privacy are going to be uh, uh, you know, able to engage in, in completely private transactions, but you know, as in the sort of classic financial system, the legacy financial system, um, they're not going to be able to do all the things that they're that they're going to be able to do um, with with less privacy and a more uh, KYC and you know behind a, a digital identity um, uh, that that they're the, and that's going to be you know I believe the future of this space. You know, there's going to be sort of a stratification between um, you know the the, the uh, digital identity, the you know uh, behind the wall. Uh, sort of uh, verified space just as there is in the in the traditional financial system um you know as well as those you know those who are not engaged in the financial system um you know who want more privacy there's still going to be that offering um, but not not as much access to traditional financial services there's going to be sort of that dichotomy
0: Terrific. Thank you. Thank you so much. Chris, sort of moving a little bit from here, um, it would be, I'd be remiss not to ask a former CFTC chair in a week in which we've seen, or a couple of weeks in which we've seen all of this enforcement activity from various financial regulators to include SEC, CFTC a few weeks ago. Would you talk a little bit about sort of where, where we are right now and, and, and sort of how you see uh, these actions in particular, really around this debate, security versus commodity, or is there another answer here?
1: Oh, yeah. there's so much to say uh, about enforcement. There's so much to say about the dichotomy between um, security and, and commodity. I think the one thing that links both the, um, this heavy enforcement activity, this flurry of enforcement activity, and, that, and, and the dichotomy is that they're both unique to the United States. Um, uh, this division between commodities and securities only exists in the United States, and quite frankly, this this full fledged assault on crypto right now only exists in the United States. Um, as 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 sort of the perhaps the oldest and most sophisticated uh, financial system, um, we've fallen into the trap. I think of not welcoming this new innovation, um, uh, and it's almost it's almost become official policy. It's, it's disappointing. I, I, to some degree, um, when I think back to Dodd-Frank, Dodd-Frank was the victory of Washington over Wall Street. Um, prior to that victory, Wall Street was one of the biggest adapters of technology. My, my older brother, Charlie, who's one of the co-founders of the Digital Dollar Project, uh, was a leader at Cisco Systems during the go-go days, uh, and, and Wall Street was the biggest acquirer of technology, um, and yet, it's almost now that Washington's in char- charge, there's a feeling that we can just say no to this new architecture of finance, and somehow it will, it will go away. But it's not going to go away. The, to think that the internet is not going to do to finance and, and banking and money what it's done to information gathering, social interaction, um, retail shopping, entertainment, you name it, is 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 just naive um, and other countries've I've spent at least the last six months meeting with regulators in Brazil and Europe and Japan and others um, they're embracing I, I wouldn't say they're embracing they're open to this innovation um, they real they they're not trying to deny it um and so um I think that there's a fair amount of bad actors in the space as there always are and I think that a uh, a fair amount of the enforcement action is well merited i think a lot of it is though simply because the um uh the the, the crypto innovators aren't able to put their round peg into a square hole and uh, and they're paying a, an awful price for that and i think that we are missing something as a national policy now to this division between securities and commodities it's written into our law it's the way we do things and um Uh, I I think it's it's incumbent upon our regulatory leaders to recognize that and to to accommodate it. But in fact, what we've got is politics and we've got uh, interagency rivalries. We've got jockeying for position. We've got, I mean, I I will say I I gave testimony last Tuesday in front of the House Ag Committee and I sat next to the general counsel of Coinbase and he felt as if the lawsuit that was launched that morning against them was a personal attack on them. But interestingly, I later met with the chairman of the committee and the House felt as if it was a direct attack on their institution as representatives of the people. They were taking up a bill that day to regulate crypto, they thought, in a responsible manner. And to have a, a non-elected official and an agency launch a suit that very day was a personal affront. Well, as an American to hear that um, is really disappointing because we're the nation that's supposed to embrace innovation, we're supposed to embrace the technology, and we've got our leaders fighting over who's been insulted by enforcement action. So we're, we're, we're not in a good place today. I do think when we look back 10 to 15 years from now, um, we're gonna look back as if this was um, not our shining moment Um, a a bit of a detour in what's been our usual case. And it means we're going to have to catch up. I'll say one other thing. If we're suppressing this innovation, it means we're not influencing this innovation. And I'd like to see our Washington leaders influencing this with the values that got us here that helped us build the economic system rather than trying to suppress it and allowing our competitors to put their stamp on it, which is exactly what's going to happen.
0: Pervy, I've learned when I'm moderating if someone's shaking their head yes in agreement, um, they probably have something awesome to add.
2: Thank you. And I I would just say that I think it's, just to put it bluntly, a terrible inflection point, right, for regulation and clarity in the U.S. Like, do we want it through two suits and a bill all being introduced within the same week? No. But maybe it's just what it takes for a transparent process to get some clarity and some certainty in the U.S. at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I always look for the silver lining. Anyone who knows me, but I, I think one one thing that was interesting is even in a week where we saw these two huge enforcement actions against two of the most important companies in the space, um, we saw actually, you know, a proposed draft legislation um, that may answer some of these questions, probably in many many years or decades. But um, it, it was a start, and, and I think the other thing that that someone said recently that I, that I thought was terrific was, look, you know, every you know every institution in our government now all you know uh, are thinking about cryptocurrency in meaningful ways the courts now obviously with these cases and cases before it um congress and and obviously the executive branch um so um sort of moving from here and 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 really sort of starting to wrap things up a little bit i'm getting uh, a nod that that might be um appropriate but uh chris you and i spoke recently and um i uh i cited a passage in your book, which I loved. And I'm going to ask these guys a question around it too, but I'd love you to explain it to this group as well. Um, you, you were on a uh, trip to Texas and you had this conversation with a farmer who was doing precision farming. And um, talk, talk, talk us through that a little bit. And what I'm going to ask you guys is sort of what was your precision farming moment? Sort of what, what, was, the, what was your moment when you sort of realized that, there, that, that technology can really change the world?
1: So, so as you say every so often you have these moments when it just becomes I'm so going
0: to stop you real quick though so the other thing that was so crazy about this okay was that I'm also a guy from New Jersey <laughs> and I love country music and this specific which is really insane um, but this specific chapter led off with a great quote from Brad Paisley as well so I was like wow I'm reading a book about a guy from New Jersey likes crypto right crypto dad uh, and, and, likes uh, country. And, and likes country music so anyway go for it <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So I was, uh, as part of my role as chairman of the CFTC, we oversee some of the world's oldest hedging markets like wheat and grain and cotton. And um, uh, I had gotten an invitation to visit a cotton farmer and to see a cotton gin. And I had no idea what a cotton gin was. And I thought, wow, this would be really interesting to see. So I flew into Dallas, I rented a car, I drove an hour and a half to Bardwell, Texas, and I met this wonderful old-timer farmer and he told me his family story and his grandkids are now in farming and, and he drove me around and as we're driving to the cotton gin and it was this was in March uh it was this it was early spring we drove past a field and I, it had just been mowed and I said to him well that field looks like it just been mowed thinking I'm really smart I said was that winter wheat uh and he says it was and uh we just mowed it and we mowed it he said to me we mowed it last night I was thinking about that a little bit further. My sort of non-agricultural mind started processing that. And I said, you you, you cut it at night? How'd you do that? And he said, oh, it's really cool. You want to see? And he, he didn't say cool. He said, whatever. Pulled over his truck to the side of the road. He took out his iPhone. He gave it a couple of swipes. And he showed me what looked to be a dark screen. But I could make out on the screen two sets of headlights, four headlights moving in the thing. And I said, what is that? And he said, well, on one side is my harvester, and that was driven by my son that was cutting the wheat, and on the other side was my tractor, which was pulling a bin, and the tractor was held in place next to the harvester by vehicle telemetry, and the whole scene was shot by my drone. Anyway, that was a lot to process, the technology, okay? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the harvester was held in place by GPS satellite. <laughs> the tractor was held in place by vehicle telemetry, and the thing was shot by his drone. But as that, after the whole visit was over and I got in the plane, I flew back to New York, I started thinking about, this is really cool. The whole um, He cut the whole field at night with two men, him and his son. Now, if you think about farming, throughout, from the dawn of history until recently, it's a daylight activity, Suddenly now it's a 24-7 activity you can do around the clock and it's a labor-intensive activity until now. It can be done by two people using technology around the clock and you can record the whole thing. And I thought, wow, has that changed everything? Farming, which we've known as humans since the dawn of mankind, was something you got the whole village out to do and you do in daylight and at night you go to sleep. Well, this could be done in the middle of the night and during the day you could be coding for all I know. So it was one of those moments when you realize technology changes everything. And once the change happens, there's no going back.
0: Farming never sleeps, right? Isn't that the uh, but uh but but Pervy, yeah, build, build on that if if you would. Sort of I, I, I just think that we've all probably had and, and maybe it'd be fun to go around this room later on or something, but I, I think that we've all had those sorts of moments in our lives where we realized, wow, technology can change something very, very important for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. Um so no surprise, it's in the headlines everywhere, but AI. Right. Just even if, you know, whether you believe that it should exist, or it shouldn't exist, what forms, some of the basic forms of it. Right. Just the efficiency of having somebody say, great, that time works for me. And an email response to me is the efficiency that you pointed out. Right. With the around the clock, it takes away from some of the tasks that, um, you know, you could farm out. Um, not to make a pun there, but you could farm out you know, create some efficiency and, uh, you know, in terms of maybe threat to national security, maybe lower on the scale for the time being.
3: Dan. Well, I think my response won't be quite as, as folksy as crypto dads, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, two years ago, uh, Paxos uh, announced an agreement with, uh, with Facebook's uh, Novi to, uh, to offer stable coins to Facebook users um, to be able to offer uh, uh, free stablecoin transfers um, from the United States to Guatemala, um, and uh, you know the, the, this, the, you know, the, the, the the sort of project didn't work out. It was a pilot project, and it, and it didn't work out. But it was it really it very much proved a use case of financial inclusion and of, and of the use of technology for for purposes of financial inclusion. People are are sort of you know sending sending money to their home country f- and paying. You know, ten or fifteen percent in transfer fees, but you know, on both ends of the transaction, um, and uh, you know, and, and it's it's an insane amount of money to be sort of giving up uh, just for for the ability to move funds around the world, um, or to you know, to, to to be able to to share your your income with your family, and so you know, th- this was an opportunity for people to uh, you know, to send money to uh, you know, to their loved ones um, without any uh, without any fees involved. Um, and you know, it really demonstrated the sort of future use case of this technology, of blockchain technology, um, of stable coins, of CBDCs, whatever it is, of tokenized assets, um, you know, to be able to uh, help people access financial services who didn't have access to it before, um, to help people uh, uh, you know, save a tremendous amount of money and to keep their hard-earned money. Um, and so that, you know, that, that, that is a tremendous use case of financial, uh, financial technology.
0: Terrific. Yeah, no. Thank you. Uh thank you so much. I, th- I think that Libra was probably a moment where a lot of regulators globally also uh, <laughs> uh started to think very seriously about this about this space. Um no, thank you so much to the three of you for for joining us for a TRM talks. Thank you to Digital Dollar for hosting this. Really, really extraordinary conversation. Thank you,
1: Ari. Thank you. This was great. Thank Terrific. You. I, 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 great. I think I
0: one one last question though. I was walking by the garden just now and I feel like Billy uh, Billy Joel's doing a residency and we're an Italian restaurant. So last question is bottle of red or a bottle of white?
2: Bottle of bread, always. Depends upon the kind of mood we're in tonight. That's what
0: I was waiting for.
2: Very, very nice. (laughs) Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you.